Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, we are ready to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We, we've been reading in 1 Corinthians. and uh, Last time we read chapter 14. And Paul was talking about, uh, you know, having an orderly service and um, explaining how they should have an orderly service and not have a chaotic service that was, you know, causing, you know, causing confusion and, and would not be edifying. But to have an orderly service and have, you know, good edification for the members, for the, for the church. Now, in chapter 15... <coughs> Paul is going to talk more about resurrection and the resurrection and the reason seems to be for this that uh, some of them did not believe that there was going to be a resurrection whether they were um, converted Sadducees or whether they just you know came from some other background and they just did not believe in the resurrection I don't know but and it does not say however Um, Paul does instruct them about the resurrection and uh, how you know the, um, and how that was and also how that was is going to be for us. I was going to say was going to be, but is going to be for us, and how the resurrection is and will be. There's a lot of good good uh, teaching here and explanation, so I should just get into it. Um, <coughs> So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is from the Amplified Bible. Now, brothers and sisters, let me remind you once again of the good news of salvation which I preached to you, which you welcomed and accepted, and on which you stand by faith. By this faith you are saved, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, God's purpose. If you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, just superficially and without complete commitment. For I, passed, <clears throat> pardon me, for I passed on to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to that which the scriptures foretold, and that he was buried and that he was bodily raised on the third day according to that which the scriptures foretold and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Um, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, the majority of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep in death. Then he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, as to one pardon me, and last of all, as to one untimely, prematurely, traumatically born, he appeared to me also. And so Paul is saying that that was the last appearance that he's aware of. For I am the least worthy of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I, at one time, fiercely oppressed and violently, violent, violent, okay, wow, violently, persecuted the church of God. But by the remarkable grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not without effect. In fact, 
I worked harder than all of the apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing which was with me. So whether it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed and trusted in and relied on with confidence. Now if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some am among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. I do want to mention, if you back up here, and I should have mentioned this before, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll get back to that, um, that, you know, Paul mentions that, you know, he was the last to see, you know, have Jesus appear to him. He mentions that Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. You know, Jesus was seen by plenty of people. Um when he was resurrected. And remember in Acts, I mean, it talks about he basically was appearing to them off and on for, I think it was 30 or 40 days. Um, and um, he says, I am the least worthy of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle. But on the same, he turns around the same thing and says he worked harder than all of the apostles. Now, I'm not trying to be, <laughs> be mean, but I don't know, that seems a little bit of a, you know, though, though he does say, though, it was not I, but it was the grace of God. But it just seems, you know, but Paul was a zealous person. I mean, he really was. But, I mean, that just strikes me as kind of one of those things. In fact, I worked harder than all the apostles. Um, okay, you know, this is a little bit of Paul's personality, I think, showing through. But uh, but he does say, but not it, though it was not I, but the grace of God, so... Anyway, I just thought that was uh, a little humorous and a little bit of his personality coming through there. Okay, verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also vain, imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. Which is true. If, if there's no resurrection, if Christ, if Jesus did not rise again, then we have no, then we have nothing to have faith on. I mean, there's nothing there. It's, it's all in vain. Pardon me. <clears throat> we are even discovered to be false witnesses misrepresenting God because we testified concerning him that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. In other words, we're all a bunch of liars and, and we're giving false testimony. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. You are still in your sins and under the control and penalty of sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If we who are abiding in Christ have hoped only in this life, and this is all there is, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. If this life is all there is, then there is really no point in our faith. Our faith is done. There's just 
there's no point in it at all. And uh, I don't believe that, but I'm just saying if that if I did believe that, and this is this is why I think unbelievers are the way they are. They believe that there is there is nothing but this life, and when they're dead, they're gone, and that's it. And that that makes a difference. It makes a difference how you act and how you are. Continuing on, verse twenty. But now, as things really are. Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, and he became the first fruits, that is the first to be resurrected with an incorruptible immortal body, foreshadowing the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in death. For since it was by a man that death came into the world, it is also by a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. For just as in Adam all die, so for just as in Adam, like the earthly, um, physical being, all die, and Adam is the one that brought in sin and death, so also in Christ, who brings us spiritual life and will bring us eternal spiritual life, or he does give us eternal spiritual life, um, through taking our sins away and washing us clean of our sins, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then those who are Christ's own will be resurrected with incorruptible immortal bodies at his coming. After that comes the end, completion, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has made inoperative and abolished every ruler and every authority and power. So, Paul is saying that we will be, we will also be resurrected with incorruptible and moral bodies. And after the end, after that comes the end, the completion, and Jesus will hand over the kingdom which will include all of us as citizens of the kingdom, to God the Father. For Christ must reign as king until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished and put to an end is death. For he, the Father, has put all things in subjection under his feet, Christ's feet. But when he says all things have been put in subjection under Christ, it is clear that he, the Father, who put all things in subjection to him, Christ, is accepted, since the Father is not in subjection to his own Son. Right, he has put all things. In other words, God has put Jesus in charge of everything except God. Make sense? Jesus is still, the Son is still answerable to the Father. All right. However, when all things are subject to, subjected to him, Christ, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one, the Father, who put all things under him, so that God may be all in all, manifesting his glory without any opposition, the supreme indwelling and controlling factor of life. So here he's speaking a bit about the hierarchy of things. And that we are, you know, we're under, we're under Jesus, we're in Jesus, 
and uh, we are subject to God and Jesus is subject to God but everything else is subject to Jesus is under Jesus feet and us as part of Jesus part of the body of Christ all these things are also in subject to us now speaking from a spiritual standpoint we are not to that point to where we are where Christ is okay not spiritually but but uh, but spiritually we are with him even though we are still here and we are still you know we're still sinners and we're still learning and we're still doing but spiritually we are still in Christ and these things are still under us as well oh my goodness this just jumped I'm sorry hold on a second <laughs> Okay, otherwise, what will those who are being baptized... Okay, let me go back. Do that again. Verse 29. Otherwise, what will those do who are being baptized for the dead? Now, I don't understand this practice of being baptized for the dead. And it may have come from a pagan thing. Or, it may have been that people thought they could be baptized and that would save their uh, relative but that's not how it works so I'm not sure what this practice is that he's referring to but Paul is using this practice which is an erroneous practice he's using this as a teaching point here he says if the dead are not raised at all why are people even baptized for them for that matter why are we running such risks and putting ourselves in danger nearly every hour if there is no resurrection? In other words, you know, Paul and the apostles, they were in danger. They were a lot of times subject to persecution and, and horrible things. Why would you even put yourself at risk if there's no resurrection? If this life is all you had, why would you waste any of it putting yourself at risk? I assure you, believers, by the pride which I have in you, in your union with Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily, I face death and die to self. What good has it done me if I merely from a human point of view... Okay, let me, let me go back to that. So, He's saying, I die daily, I, days, I face death and die to self. In other words, he's putting himself through these things where he's denying himself. He's not doing what he wants to do. You know, what good would any of this, you know, what, what good would any of that do him too? If, if there's no resurrection, why would he even go through all this? Why would you deny yourself for others? So anyway, um, what good has it done me if I, if... Merely from a human point of view, I fought with wild animals at Ephesus. If the dead are not raised at all, let us eat and drink and join ourselves now, for tomorrow we die. You know, and that would be the attitude. And that is the attitude, if you see, of a lot of unbelieving people. Let us eat and drink and join ourselves now, for tomorrow we die. And they think at, at death, that's the end. Now, Paul also mentions something here in verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, they say this is a quote 
from something in Greek, and maybe it is, but if you'll notice, that also reads very similar to, uh, there's some proverbs about this um, that say almost this exact, not, maybe it's not word for word exactly the same, but the meaning is the same. So he's trying to tell them that these, I, I guess, these people who are believing these things and teaching, you know, maybe maybe they're trying to teach these wrong things um, that, you know, this, this, this is not a good, this is not a good thing. You know, do not be deceived, don't be believing and, and falling into that. Be sober-minded, be sensible, wake up from your spiritual stupor as you ought, and stop sinning. For some of you have no knowledge of God, you are disgracefully ignorant of Him and ignore His truths. I say this to your shame. So he's still addressing some of their issues here. And some of these maybe we don't know exactly what they are. He's not listing them specifically. But someone will say, How are the dead raised? And what kind of body will they come? And with what kind of body will they come? You fool. Every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, germinating, springing up and growing, unless it first dies. The seed you show is not, so is not the body, the plant itself, which it is going to become, but it is a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body just as he planned, and to each kind of seed a body of its own is given. All flesh is not the same. There is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also heavenly bodies, sun, moon, and stars, and earthly bodies, humans, animals, and plants. But the glory and beauty of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is a glory and beauty of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and yet another distinctive glory of the stars. And one star differs from another in glory and brilliance. So he's talking about the immortal, glorified body, that we're going to receive and how it's going to be different and um, you know just as these other bodies are different one from another and just like the seed being planted um, you know like a little corn kernel becomes this the seed I mean uh, I'm sorry this little corn kernel which is the seed becomes this plant this stalk this corn that grows more corn it becomes a corn plant. So, you know, our body will end up being maybe maybe the base seed of what grows into a glorified immortal body. That's kind of what I'm getting here, though this is also, I think, a very spiritual thing. So, nonetheless, he's trying to explain to them that we, you know, the, the glorified body that we will receive, the immortal body, will be different. It will have its own form. It will have its own way. Um, it may be very similar in appearance, I don't know, or it may be very different. It sounds like it will be at least somewhat different. So it is So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The human body that is sown is perishable and mortal. It is raised imperishable and immortal. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in strength. It is sown a natural body, mortal, suited to earth. It is raised a spiritual body, immortal, suited to heaven. 
As surely as there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written in Scripture, The first man, Adam, became a living soul, an individual. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. However, the spiritual, the immortal life, is not first, but the physical, the mortal life, then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, is from the earth, earthy, made of dust. The second man, Christ, the Lord, is from heaven, as in the earthly man, the man of dust, so are those who are of earth, and as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly, the man of heaven. Now he's referring, of course, to Jesus there, the man of heaven, so we will also bear that form. Now I say this, believers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit nor be part of the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable mortal inherit the imperishable immortal. Listen very carefully, I tell you a mystery, a secret truth decreed by God and previously hidden, but now revealed. We will not all sleep in death, but we will all be completely changed, wondrously transformed, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the last trumpet call. For a trumpet will sound, and the dead who believed in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we will be completely changed, wondrously transformed. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature, and this mortal part of us that is capable of dying must put on immortality, which is freedom from death. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, Death is swallowed up in victory, vanquished forever. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin by which it brings death, is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory as conquerors, through, Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best, and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. So that is the end of chapter 15. And um, definitely, Paul has related all that uh, I think you could expect about the resurrection and how we will be resurrected into immortal glorified bodies um let's see how does he say that though and i keep saying glorified because that's what i've heard you know but imperishable you know it will not be it will be an immortal imperishable body so and that i mean that is as far as i know this is the clearest teaching of that there there will be a resurrection um, our bodies will be transformed into the imperishable, immortal bodies, just like uh, like Jesus has. Now, notice that Jesus was still recognizable, 
that uh, he uh, that they they recognized who he was. They could touch him, and his body, you know, still had uh, his body still had scars. Now I don't know that ours will have that. That may have been done purposefully to make sure that everyone would recognize him and know who he was and what he had been through. Um, our bodies will be transformed into immortal, imperishable bodies. So I think we will still be recognizable, as is mentioned in some other scriptures, that, that we will be recognizable as ourselves. But I'm not sure how that will all work exactly. I only know what Paul says here, that we will be resurrected. And if we were not going to be resurrected, if this life is all there is, what purpose would any of this serve at all? It would serve no purpose. There would be no reason to follow Jesus. There would be no reason to believe in God. But there is going to be a resurrection. We're going to be transformed. And he mentions it as happening when that that last trumpet sounds. And how our image is right now is an, is an image of uh, the earth and the earthly man, which is like Adam and, you know, but our image will be of the heavenly man, of Jesus. We will have an immortal and imperishable body like he does. So, this is all about, really all about, the resurrection and how that works. And he says, therefore, because we have this resurrection, we have this, that, this promise that we have to look forward to, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord. Do the best you can. You know, always do what you can. And remember that your labor in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. Because it's going to bring about this immortal, imperishable change. Because you will have this resurrection. So, alright. As I said, this is 1 Corinthians. This is chapter 15. We are almost done with 1 Corinthians. I'm surprised. I think we have chapter 16. And that is the end, correct? I think that's all there is. Yeah. So then I'll need to do, I'm going to try to do another summary and try to go over the, the highlights of the, of the epistle. Um, again, this is a pretty long epistle and there's a lot to it and some of these chapters have a lot of teaching. So, and that's not a complaint. That's just a fact. So, so that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Remember to stay safe. And remember that God loves you.